just a moment and honor the reading of the Word of God. Mark chapter 2, verses 21 and 22 are where we are. We're talking about the old religion. And so we're going to look at verses 21 and 22. It says in verse 21, No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that's filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred, but the new wine must be put into new bottles. You may be seated. Um, so, yes, I just shared with you, I've read this for many years, and I thought, you know, and I've heard people tell me things about it. I've never really heard it preached. I've never heard anybody say anything about it. But uh, as I was reading it, and the Lord just working upon my heart, praying over these two passages, and really asking God to give me some wisdom, because obviously this is Jesus speaking a parable, and, uh, and so he's bringing a message, and the Sadducees and the Pharisees are there, and all the other people are present, his disciples are there, and he's using this message to talk to these folks. And so as I was reading it, it started to come to my mind, now, I'm going to probably date myself here in just a minute, and some of you will get it, and some of you won't, and some of you don't remember, maybe. But how many of you remember in the 70s when people were putting patches all over their jeans? Huh? Or corduroys. How many people remember corduroys? Huh? And uh, bell bottoms. How many of you remember bell bottoms, right? And uh, they came back called elephant pants, but they were bell bottoms, right? And the thing of it was, how many of you remember, I mean, the uh, set of jeans, you'd see somebody come to school, man, they'd have patches all over their pants. And, uh, and so we thought that was really cool. So, you know, sometimes you would have a hole in your pants and you'd take a piece of new cloth and put it over the old pants. And, uh, and that's just what you would do. You'd wash them and then they'd make the hole bigger because it would just keep ripping the material that you sewed it into because it was just old. And it wasn't uh, that you were actually repairing it. You were just putting a patch over it. And I, and I got to thinking, you know, a lot of people did it maybe to enhance the quality of their jeans, but it didn't. Or they think it was a fashion statement. Now today, uh, people pay an exorbitant amount of money to uh, wear jeans with holes in them. Bring them to my house, I promise you, my fee, you bring me a brand new pair of jeans and I can turn them into what's hanging on the rack for you in seconds. And it won't cost you as much. Just whatever brand you want, bring them over, I'll do that for you. And so today, everybody wants holes in their jeans, right? And so, you know, you see all kinds of things out there. But here's the thing. The jeans would be covered, and, and the holes uh, were there, and they would think that it was either fashionable or it was going to fix the problem. And, uh, and when I look back on it, I have, how many of you remember 8-millimeter films? Anybody remember 8-millimeter films? When I was a little kid, my dad had an 8-millimeter camera. I own all those 8-millimeter films. They're at my house. And I'm looking to try to find me another 8-millimeter projector. <laughs> the reason I want to, I've looked at these at times, and I want to put them all onto like a flash drive or something, give it to my family for Christmas. And I'm looking at what we actually wore in the 1970s. Woo! Talk about fashion problems, right? And you look at that, and you're thinking to yourself, good gracious, and we had those pants on <laughs> with those sewn-in patches all over them. Now, in the time of Christ, many would take juice or different uh, things or fruits and, and they would put them into bottles. They were skins of animals. And so what he says here, he said, no man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, but he also brings up the fact that they would not take a new bottle and put, uh, uh, or an old bottle and put new wine into it because it would cause it to burst. And you read things and you're going, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. But here we see Christ bringing up something. And what would happen is, is if they took that new one, 
and put it into the old bottle, it would ferment and it would cause the bottle to burst because it couldn't handle what was taking place inside the bottle. And so Christ is teaching a lesson to the disciples and those that are present. I told you the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they were all there listening to this. And so what are we talking about? Well, understand that when Christ had his ministry, that the people were still under the law and not under grace. When you're reading this, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are not under grace yet. They are still under the law. Do you understand that? Christ had not died yet. So they're still under the law. They're not under grace. So he's bringing these things to their attention. And, and let me tell you something. This was a new teaching for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, for the disciples themselves. How many of you remember when he says, what new doctrine is this? What new teaching is this? What is this all about? What is he talking about? And, and they were confused by the message that Christ was bringing. Now, had they read their scriptures in that day and had studied them, they would understand that God was going to send forth a Messiah to come and to die for the sins of mankind. They would have recognized really who Jesus was. So when we look at this, Christ offered them a literal kingdom. He offered them something, and they rejected it, which left only one option, right? He had to go to the cross and die for us <laughs> because he offered that kingdom. Now, here's the thing. Do you have an understanding of Christ's power over the law? Do you personally have an understanding of Christ's power over the law? Really, this is what he's teaching them, the power that he had over the law. Now, Christ came to fulfill the law, and believe me, he did not come to patch or repair it. <laughs> he came to fulfill it. And when you look at this, he did not come to mingle the old law with the new covenant of grace. He didn't come to mix the two. He came to fulfill the law. <laughs> so when he's speaking here, he's not talking about mingling the old with the new He's talking about taking away the old by fulfilling the law and becoming the new covenant, which is what we're under today, amen? Praise God. I don't have to sacrifice animals to get to heaven. I don't have to go to these places. I don't have to do these things today. Praise the Lord, amen? He took away probably the ritual side of things and brought forth grace, amen? And so we're offered something today. So Christ came to fulfill the law, not to patch it or repair it. He did not come to mingle the old with the new, but he came to offer the grace to man. So I want to just kind of give you three perspectives here when I read these and I'm coming through to them. One of the things that I think whenever we look at these three perspectives of what religion wants to do with the grace of God, one, sometimes man just wants to make it a patch. They just kind of want to repair some things. They just want to make Christ a patch. The second thing is, is that they like the old way, so they're not as interested in the new way. They'll listen to you, but they want the old way because the old way gave me something that I have to do rather than allowing what he did for me to take place. So I like a little bit of the old. And then there's the new way, which is what he's offering here in the latter part. But new wine must be put into new bottles. Now, we're going to talk about what that means this morning. And here's the thing. He was saying, you're not going to just patch your life up with me. I'm going to fix you permanently. How about that? Amen. And then secondly, this. We can't mix 
the old and the new, I'm offering you a new and living way. <laughs> Amen? I'm offering you something different than you had before. And I want to share with you what that is this morning. So let's talk about the patch for a minute. You look at verse 21. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And how many of you have patched something and watched it after you've washed it? It just pulls it further apart. It didn't help anything at all. And so it's deteriorating. And you read a passage of Scripture for years seeking to truly understand the root of its meaning, and often we make it more difficult. When, you're, when reading this, since the time of my salvation, I struggle with these passages, and, and I've read through them. But he began to speak in parables, and what he meant to do was to help teach his disciples some things. And he thought if these Pharisees, if these Sadducees would read the Word of God, if they would really read those scriptures and take time to understand, they would understand it. But what it did was made them angry. They got upset because Jesus was telling them something different than what they've heard all their life. And he's given them something different. We even find the disciples telling the Lord to speak plainly at times. They said, Lord, why not speak plainly? But what he would do with them is he would give this parable, and you're talking about a message with a heavenly meaning on earth here, and then he would pull them disciples aside, and he would start to teach them what it meant and what he was saying. And God wants us to study his word, by the way. The Bible clearly teaches us to study the word of God. And so he wanted them to really start to think about things. And so when you look at this, he said, speak to us plainly in Mark 4.12 in this same book, different chapter that seeing they may see and perceive and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them what it was is, is we don't really want to take the time to understand what you're saying we want to go back to our old way <laughs> or we just want to take a little bit of what you have and mingle it with what we know now what is the message of christ here it is that christ has come to put a new uh, not a patch on the old things but to take away or to take a portion of something and just repair it. That's not what he wants. Let me tell you something. When Jesus saves, he wants every single part of you. Amen. He doesn't want a portion of you. He wants all of you. He didn't come just to repair a part of your life. He came to take over. <laughs> he came that he might indwell you. He came that he's inside of you. He came that he might manage things for you. He came because he loves you. He doesn't want to be a patch in your life. He wants to be the fix for your life. Amen? Amen? And so when you read the scriptures and you look at this, you see what he wants to do. So Jesus is not a patch to be worn, but let me tell you this. He is the robe of righteousness that should clothe us. How about that? Huh? He's not just a patch to be worn. He is a robe of righteousness that we should be clothed in. And so when I read this passage and I look at this, this had to be hard for those religious people. It had to be hard for those people to take this in. He was offering them something that they cannot grasp at that moment, but listen, if they would have read, they would have understood. They would have taken it in. If all Christ did was come to repair just a small portion or some part of our life, then I don't think he came to save our soul. <laughs> he came to save us for all eternity, amen? Hebrews 4. Can you turn there for just a moment? I want you to look at a few verses. These are beautiful verses. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I want to go to verse 14. And help me out. Make sure I'm in the right place, okay? If you're with me, say amen. amen. 
Look at verse 14. Seeing then that we have... Am I in the right place? All right. I, I just want you to look at these verses. This goes through verse 16 is what I'm going to read. But I want you to look at this. This is beautiful passages. He said, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Where is he? He's in the where? He's passed into the heavens. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He never said, let's go find the law so we can get things right. <laughs> he said that we can have grace to help in time of what? Need now. It's very different, isn't it? It's not the law anymore, it's grace. And so he offered them something. He was talking to them about a literal offer of grace. And they rejected it. And what he tells us in the New Testament is Jesus was the one who came and he was the perfect lamb. He is the reason that we get into heaven. This was new for these folks. They did not want to hear that. Let me tell you, there are a lot of religions in the world today who do not want to hear that Jesus is the only way to heaven. They want to mix something with it, or they just want to patch up their life, or they just want to fix something, or they just want something to go away. They don't want to understand the magnitude of what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary that day. He died for our sin nature. What we are, not just the things we do, we do the things we do because we're sinners. But you go through, and I challenge you to look in the New Testament, and it says, for the wages of sin, not sins, but sin is death. It is our nature. Every human being ever born is born into a sin nature. And that is what Christ died for. We commit sins because we're sinners. <laughs> we do those things because we're wrong. And we do those things because we're sinners. He is not a patch. Christ is not a band-aid on a wound. But he is a cure for the sin of man. <laughs> he is the cure. He is not just here to patch up a wound. He is what reconciles us to God. He is the answer to the problem that we have. Our sin condition is going to send man to hell, but Christ died for that and is offering us a free and eternal life because of what he did for us on the cross. He's not a patch. He's not a band-aid. He's a cure and requiring us not to trust in ourselves or try to just use him as a repair patch kit. How many of you remember those when you were a kid? You'd buy those patch kits to fix your inner tubes and all that stuff on your bike, right? And uh, I, I remember I, I had one. My dad said, I think it's time to get a new tube <laughs> because I had more patches on that thing that you could shake and stick at. But the thing of it is, is that I just kept patching it and patching it and patching it. You're just trying to repair it, but eventually it's going to blow and it's not going to be good anymore, is it? Because I'm just repairing what's wrong <laughs> in a sense of it's just going to fix it for a time, but eventually it's going to give out. And here's the thing. He is a cure for all eternity. So whatever the need is, he's the cure. If you're having financial trouble, Jesus Christ is the cure. <laughs> He'll help you with it. If, if you're having marital problems, Jesus Christ is the cure. He'll help you with that. If you're having physical problems, Jesus Christ is the cure. You've got to turn to him in your time of need. If you're having struggles and you're having problems in your thought life, listen, Jesus is the cure for that. 
He'll help cure you with that. Here is the thing. He's not just there for our salvation to take us to heaven. He is there to help us walk through this life and to sustain us while we're here. And one day he's going to take us home. And the truth of the matter is, is he's here for everything. He is not a patch. He is the cure. Amen. 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 Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. <laughs> Everything that's lost, he came for that purpose. And the words of Christ on the cross, I love this in John 19.30 because he says these three words, It is finished. <laughs> he did the job. He's not the patch. He's the cure. Now, Having shared that with you, in Hebrews 9, uh, 10, 9, and 10, he said, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will. Oh God, he tells us this. He said, He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He says this, listen to me. He taketh away the first, that he might establish the what? Second. The second. That is what he's telling these Pharisees. That's what he's telling these Sadducees. That's what he's telling these religious leaders. That's what he's telling his disciples. That's what he's telling all those people that are sitting out there listening. I have taken away the first. <laughs> he's come to do that. And he's establishing the second. Now, this is not a patch. It's a promise. Amen? Think about it. What a wonderful promise. <laughs> and listen... I want to stand on the promise of God, not on what I want to think about it, but what he says about it. And that, folks, should cause us to want to study passages just like this, amen? And it should bring us to the place where we're willing to realize it's a promise to take away the old law and offer the new covenant. His name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> Isn't he wonderful? How many of you love Christ this morning, amen? amen. He's wonderful. And then men love tradition and try to make it the mark of truth. I'm sorry. Men love tradition and they want to make it the mark of what? True. Go ahead and say it with me. <laughs> Are you with me? They take tradition and they want to make it the mark of truth. No. We need to stick with truth. <laughs> and here's the thing. I want to get to this. The old way. Verse 22. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles. <laughs> Let's mix the two. Let's mingle. <laughs> it doesn't work. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were not completely opposed to all that Christ had to say, by the way. They wouldn't have mind taking a little bit of what he had and bringing it with them. Why else did they go out? Do you remember when Jesus said to them, he said, hey, why are you all going out and looking to John the Baptist? Is he a weed, a reed shaking in the wind? What, why? What, what bring, what, what's bringing you out here to see John the Baptist? You see, there was an interest, wasn't there? They wanted to know, and listen, they don't mind taking a few things in and go ahead and mingle that a little bit with truth uh, that they had and, and, and mingle that with what Jesus is saying and, and their traditions. And so they, they don't mind mingling it a little bit, but we want to hold our traditions. Our traditions is what's going to keep us safe. If Christ doesn't keep us safe, our traditions sure enough aren't, right? And so what it is, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they weren't opposed to all of this, uh, to bring that certain kind of element into it and to mingle it with it. 
But the offer was a new offer. It wasn't a mingling of the old and the new. It was a new offer. Matthew 5, 17, he said, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law. That's what he said. I'm not coming to mingle the old and the new. I've come to fulfill the old that you have the new. Woo, that's exciting. And so when you look at this, you see this. This is not a repair or a temporary answer to an eternal situation. It is the answer to eternal life through Christ. And listen, reconciliation with God. Christ is the one that reconciles us to God. What he did on the cross reconciles us to God. We have to trust him for what he did. It's not the things we're doing. It's what he did for us on the cross that brings us to this place. This is not taking something new and putting with old, but it's the removal of the old with the new way. Now, the Old Testament law had become the traditions of men rather than the truth of God. And believe me, God held them accountable for this, not only in the New Testament. He held them accountable for doing this in the Old Testament. You go back and you read the book of Isaiah. You get to chapter 58 and you look at what God says to those folks. He said, you're doing this for yourself. You're not doing this for me anymore. You're doing it because of your traditions. You're not even holding to the truth. You're fasting for your own sakes, not fasting because I told you to. And the reason that you ought to fast and the things that I've told you to do, you're doing this just for yourselves. <laughs> he held them accountable even in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, when Jesus was saying that to the Pharisees and Sadducees, whew, it made them hot. And so he said, I'm bringing something different. The Old Testament law had become traditions of men rather than the truth of God. And it was man holding to tradition. And they say these traditions are the mark of truth rather than opening the Bible and reading what it says. This is the mark of truth. And so we have it, and it's based on, and we lay down our traditions rather than truth. By the way, the Bible says in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Amen. We need to know what the truth is, not the traditions of men. Now, tradition does not take any soul to heaven, folks. Tradition will not take a soul to heaven. Just like I tell you, being a member of a local church doesn't take your soul to heaven. Being baptized doesn't take your soul to heaven. Uh, the fact that maybe your daddy was a preacher or that your family member was a deacon or you know somebody who goes to church or whatever, nothing, none of that takes you to heaven. It is not rituals. It's not tradition. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you have to have a personal one is what he talks about. And so you cannot put what the Lord has given on uh, us as a free thing, a free gift of salvation, and put tradition to it, and you think that that's the answer to getting into heaven. The answer to getting into heaven is doing exactly what God said. You go to Acts chapter 4, verse 12, and what does it teach us? <laughs> Neither is there salvation in any other, right? There's no other way to get into heaven. There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be what? saved there's no other way to get in and no matter what man teaches you or no matter what man trains you or no matter what tradition a church holds i'm telling you it is jesus christ alone that saves Amen. it's what does it tradition does not take the soul of heaven it cannot put the uh, you into a right relationship with him through tradition when you do this notice that the, what the passages teaches and i i thought about this a lot 
When you look at verse 22, and he said, And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth something. What does it do? It bursts the bottles. Are you ready for this? Taking the old and taking the new and mixing it, both are lost. The bottle busts and the wine is spilled. Both are lost. Because you want to try to mix something. And he said, you can't do that. See, I can't have a life in the world and a life in the church and think I'm going to mix the two of those and it's all going to work out for me. I need to live truth. And sometimes it's denying what the world wants. It's denying what the flesh wants. It's denying things that, that the world says is okay, but God said it's not okay. And where the truth is, is in the Scriptures. It's not in what man told me about the Scriptures. It's in what the Scriptures teach me. Amen. And I need to know what the Bible says. When I think about this, when you notice this passage, the wine and the bottle, for the bottle bursts and the wine is spilled, therefore both are lost. Listen to this. Hebrews 8.13, in that he saith, a new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Now listen, anybody that is not saved, hear what I'm about to tell you. Anybody that has never trusted Christ as Savior, they're trying to live under the law and they're never going to fulfill it because Christ did it for us. Amen? You're not going to fulfill it. You're not going to do it. So your only way to heaven is to trust the new and living way. Christ made an offer. Amen? And it's been given to all mankind. And so we must be born again, the Bible teaches us. There's a new birth. There's something different in my life now. There is a change of pace here. He says, now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. There are many religions today that want to take the traditions of men or the traditions of the church and they want to mix them with Christ and then say that your life is eternal because you've mixed tradition and faith and, and all this kind of stuff. Listen, it is faith in Christ alone. <laughs> and so... He said, don't mix the two, because <laughs> when you mix the two, the bottle burst, useless, because he just told us, put a patch on it, what's going to happen? It's going to rent worse, isn't it? And the wine is spilled. Both are lost. And so what he's teaching us is a wonderful, wonderful thought about him alone. You know, to add something old or new or add something to salvation is to cause that bottle to burst. And listen, so many men want to add Jesus into their life and then something else to get to heaven. <laughs> and we're fools when we do that. Because we even hurt new converts when we do those kinds of things. We hurt people and don't give them the real truth. The real truth is, is yes, I believe when someone gets saved, they're going to have a desire to want to serve God. They're going to have a conscience toward God. Are you with me? 
But let's not add stuff into it and say, okay, if they're saved, here's the conditions and the rules that are laid down now that they must follow. That is not the Word of God. That is not the love of God. That is not the grace of God. Listen, when I got saved, I was a very different person before I got saved than after I got saved. And I was a very different person before I really started studying the Scriptures. I know what God has brought me from and where He's brought me to. And believe me, every one of you have that same story. (laughs) Every one of you do. And we have to thank God for the grace of our Almighty God. Amen? It is not the things that we do. It is who He is. And believe me, Christians, we try to merit more of God's love based upon our actions. And you're not going to merit any more of God's love. He already loves you. Amen? Amen. You can't merit any more of it by doing things. Now, I share that with you, but I say this to you. I want to please God because I am saved. Amen? Amen. So I should want to do things to please Him. And the only way that's going to be accomplished is not by mixing the old and the new because the two descriptions that were used of the old law, decayeth, it's worn out and obsolete. And what He says, and waxeth old, that's to to, uh, deteriorate till of no use. Now, how many of you have ever seen Ben's truck that he has? Amen. <laughs> and Ben is rebuilding this thing from the ground up. <laughs> Would you say that truck was a bit deteriorated? Oh, yeah. It was of no use, right? <laughs> it's a Chevy, Chris. <laughs> But he literally has to rebuild that frame to make it useful again, don't you? A lot of new metal, a lot of welding, a lot of paint, new bumper. (laughs) (laughs) And the things that we do, it eventually deteriorates, doesn't it? It waxes old, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You've heard me say many times from this pulpit, I said to my wife many, many years ago, I always wanted a Ford F-250, Brother Aaron. <laughs> Hunt green. Tan leather interior. Dually. <laughs> so she hung on my refrigerator for me to see, because I frequent there. You frequent the refrigerator? On the refrigerator it says, Honey, the junkyard is full of yesterday's desires. Okay. So I bought a Chevy. No. (laughs) What I'm sharing with you is what man does. It deteriorates. It waxes old, doesn't it? And the traditions of men will kill. It's the letter of the law rather than the spirit. And the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth what? And we need to understand what Jesus is telling them. So when you look at this, therefore the message of Christ is that their new way, no more traditions of men, sacrifices of animals, addition to faith in God, but salvation in Christ alone. And we must not be compromisers, folks, as believers. We can't just say, well, I understand that, but we're going to mix a little bit of this. Let's not do that. Let's live by the new and living way. So I want you to look at the last part of this, and I'm done today. Look at what he said here. He said, and no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. 
But new wine must be put into what? New bottles. New bottles. Right? I was sharing with the Sunday school class this morning about my salvation. One thing I don't doubt about myself is when I die, I'm going to heaven. Not because I'm good enough. Not because I'm a preacher. Not because I went to Bible school. Not because I told other people about Jesus. Not because I pray. Not because I read my Bible. Not because I have been baptized. Not, not for any of those reasons. I'm going to heaven because Jesus saved me. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to heaven because of what he did for me. Amen. And I trust him. <laughs> I trust what he did for me. So he said, but new wine must be put into what? New bottles. New bottles. So Christ did not come to mix. Some men will be compromisers and mix it, but he didn't come to mix the old and the new, but to be the fulfillment of the old under the new covenant. Christ is the fulfillment of all prophecies. He's the fulfillment of it. Christ is the fulfillment of all the types that we see in the Old Testament. Christ fulfilled those, amen? When we go and we read that Old Testament, Christ is the one that met the demands of the law of Moses. He met it. Now, I want to tell you, and I ask this all the time, people that want to live under the law and not under grace, I have one question for you. Have you ever lied? You broke the law. See, in one point, that's all it takes. <laughs> have I ever had a bad thought? Have I ever coveted? Are you with me? We, we can't do this. We have to accept this. There's no other way you're getting in. He said, here's the new way. Man, I'm so grateful for the new way. How about you? Man, I'm so grateful he died for my sin. He hung on that cross for my sin. Listen, it burdens my soul to think about what they did to my Savior, but if my Savior had not done that, the Bible clearly says that the day that he did that, that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. For our iniquity. <laughs> what a Savior. Amen. When I look at this, Christ is the fulfillment of those prophecies, those types, the demands of the law. This was the message that he brought to the world, and the world received him not because he told them the truth. In Hebrews 10, 19 through 23, I want you to turn there with me. I'm going to let you look at this. I love the book of Hebrews. It really describes what was taking place because here you have a group of Jewish people who wanted to now continue in the law and accept grace at the same time. Listen, the reason Paul wrote this letter is because they were trying to mingle these two things, and it wasn't working. And Paul came, and he told them, he wrote to them, and he said, let me tell you the difference between these two things. You're trying to hold the tradition, you're trying to hold to the law, and you want to mingle that with Jesus Christ, and it doesn't work. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, everybody with me? Amen. Look at verse 19. Help me if I get off track here. Verse 19 said, Having therefore, brethren, am I in the right place? I want you to look at this. He says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of whom? Jesus. By a new and... Go ahead and say it. You ought to underline that in your Bible. <laughs> you ought to underline that in your Bible. A new and living way. <laughs> Do you know why it's a living way? Because Jesus Christ is alive. He's not dead. Amen. He sits on the right hand of the Father. It's a new way. It's a living way. It's a very different way. Which he hath consecrated for us 
through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that did what? Boy, he gave us one, didn't he? What a promise. So the law ended when Christ went to the Calvary, and you say, did it end? Yeah, he fulfilled it. Here's the thing. There are still people over here that want to live under it. <laughs> Doesn't mean he didn't fulfill it. It's just they want to live over here. They want to live under the law. <laughs> I want to be responsible for me getting to heaven. I can't give that responsibility to someone else. I'm going to fulfill all these things over here. I'm going to handle all these things over here. I'm going to do all these right things. My works are going to get me into heaven. Those things that I do, my good's going to outweigh my bad. Listen, you're not going to make it. You must trust Christ or you're not getting in. You say, man, that's just so mean. No, it's true. I'd be a fool not to tell you that. The wonderful news for all of us is when you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become a new creature, a new creation. Isn't that wonderful? Listen, but new wine must be put into new what? Bottles. How many of you know 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18? Here's what he said. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new what? Creature. He says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. That's it. New bottle, new wine. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Hey, the day I got saved, October 12, 1995, I remember sitting in that room. God, the Holy Spirit, entered into me. And what I'm sharing with you is, is that it didn't cause me to do something strange or weird. It just caused me to have confidence in God. <laughs> it's what he did for me on the cross at Calvary. I don't have to speak in tongues. That's not what the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach us that. <coughs> what it does teach us is there is none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. His name is Jesus Christ. I don't have to do anything now. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of... I don't have to work my way in. He's given it to me. It's a free gift. All I have to do is trust and believe. This is not a mixture of something old and something new. This is not a patch, but a robe to wear for eternity. This isn't temporary. This is permanent. That's a wonderful gift. Salvation is real, and it's permanent. It's not something that comes and goes, but there's an assurance of something new. Listen, the day I got saved, I walked out of that room. I remember it like it was yesterday. And when I walked out of there, I knew if I died, I was going to heaven. I don't doubt that today. From that day forward, I do not doubt Jesus saved me. <laughs> and we ought not doubt our salvation because it's of Christ. Listen, the reason we doubt sometimes is because sometimes there's still sins. Notice the word plural now, amen, are in our lives. 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our, go ahead and say it, sins. It's plural. Guess what we do as believers? We still commit sins, don't we? And you know the wonderful thing about my Savior is, he said, you confess that, that means I agree with God, there's a problem in my life, that he'll forgive us. Not only did he save you, but he told you whenever sins enter into your life now, you have a Savior that will forgive you. Isn't that wonderful? Those sins that are present, 
You say, well, I get angry. I know, he forgives anger. <laughs> well, I lied. You know what he forgives? Lying. I stole something, preacher. Hey, listen, God forgives that too. Now, does it mean that you don't need to get things right? No, that's not what it means. <laughs> I need to get those things right. Would you agree? <laughs> I have a conscience toward God now. I'm saying to myself, you know what? <laughs> I need to make this right. Why? Because of my relationship. <laughs> I want to make those things right. Not a mixture of something old, something new. This is not a patch. New wine put in a new bottle, a new creature in Christ, and then through that, your faith in Him, He puts you in a place where it says, now the Spirit is in us. Listen, I can give you proof of that. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, listen, this is as clear as a bell. He says this, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You don't belong to yourself anymore. If you're saved, you belong to God. <laughs> you belong to Him. You have a responsibility to the one who now possesses you. Amen? He's in you. He gave, you. he gave him a part of himself. He gave it to you to let you know to be assured, to let you know that he's there for you. Hey, listen, when I pray, I'm not doing what Joy Behar said, just whispering words into the air. My God in heaven hears my voice when I kneel to pray. I believe in God. How about you? I believe in Jesus Christ. How about you? If you were to die today, do you know for sure if you'd go to heaven? Well, the Bible teaches us something. Until you're saved, the new covenant is not activated in your life. Uh-oh. How many of you bought stuff and it says to activate this, you have to do something to it? Right? You get your new debit card in the mail, and what does it say? Dallas number two, or to activate, right? Otherwise, guess what? It's of no use, isn't it? I got a square piece of plastic in my wallet that's not activated. Guess what happens? It's of no use. To activate yeast, you got to do something. Rise it. Pour water on it. To activate it, don't you, Brother Darrell? So for it to become useful, really, you have to activate it, don't you? You have to put water on it. To be activated under the new covenant, <laughs> Jesus has to be poured into our life. Amen? And then he activates. <laughs> now let me share a couple of thoughts with you. If you're trying to patch it up with Christ instead of allowing him to cover your sin, you're not getting into heaven. Man, preacher, that's me. No, it's true. I don't want you leaving here believing a lie. I want you to know the truth. If you're trying to patch it up with Christ instead of allowing him to cover your sin, you will not enter into heaven. If you're trying to mix tradition with truth and hope that the traditions of men will cover your sin, you will not enter into heaven. The traditions of men are not going to take you to heaven. So if you're trying to mix the two, thinking, well, if I do a little this, a little that, maybe it'll work out. No. <laughs> you need Jesus Christ alone to activate it. Are you with me? It's a new and living way. It's a new covenant. If you're trying to mix the old way with the law and the new covenant to Christ to cover your sin, you'll not enter into heaven. 
But I share this with you. New wine must be put into new bottles. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you.